0: My name is Rick Salinger, and I got my bachelor's in 1971 from the University of Illinois and my master's in 1972. While I was at the U of I, I was an announcer, music director, and program director for WPGU, and now I'm a reporter for KCNC-TV, which is a CBS-owned station in Denver.
1: For our 150th anniversary here at the Illini Media Company, we're sitting down with 20 talented and successful alumni to talk about their experience at the University of Illinois, the Daily Illini, WPGU, and the Illio Yearbook. On April 9th, we inducted all 20 into the 2022 class of our Illini Media Hall of Fame. Rick Salinger is a Peabody award-winning broadcast journalist whose 50-year career has included reporting for CNN, WMAQ-TV in Chicago, and currently CBS4 in Denver. He's covered the Columbine high school shooting, the trials of the Oklahoma City bombing perpetrators, and three wars. During his time as program director at WPGU, he ushered the station out of the university dorms and onto the airwaves as a competitive commercial FM station, where it began airing commentaries for the first time. Today, WPGU news correspondent Owen Henderson speaks with WPGU alumnus and 2022 Illinois Media Hall of Fame inductee Rick Salinger.
2: What made you want to pursue journalism and broadcast in particular?
0: I got interested in broadcasting and journalism when I was in high school. We had a high school radio station and I was on the high school newspaper and I fell in love with it instantly and really never considered another career seriously.
2: Can you tell me how you were involved at the Alana Media Company and some of your memorable experiences working for WPGU at the university?
0: WPGU was more than just a place to learn how to do radio. It was the center of my life at the University of Illinois. The people who worked at the radio station became my friends, many of whom are still my friends today. I learned about broadcasting and... It gave
2: me the stepping stone to
0: pursue it as a career.
2: How did you see the radio station kind of grow and change while you were there? I know you said you were music director for a little while. Did it change much while you were there?
0: WPGU had grown from a carrier current station it was called that broadcast just to the dorms to becoming a commercial fm station at 107.1 fm that could be heard all throughout champaign urbana and beyond Uh, it was like working at a regular radio station sure it was manned by students but it was real life radio it was what I would experience as a career later on. So it gave me a tremendous opportunity to get a
2: head start. Were there any experiences that you had working at WPGU that still stick with you?
0: Well, there's a lot of things I could probably talk for a long time about that. I was the music director and later the program director. So I got to meet a lot of record promoters who had uh, tried to convince me to play their records. And when artists came into town, uh, sometimes I would get to meet the artists and do interviews with them. On the news side, when I was at the U of I, it was a very turbulent period. The Vietnam War was going on. And there were massive demonstrations against it, a moratorium where everybody stopped going to classes, school was shut down, there were riots on Green Street, the National Guard was called out. We were able to cover these events for the news on the radio station, and that will stick with me forever.
2: Is there anything that you had to kind of learn the hard way once you got out and started working in journalism in, in the professional world um, that you kind of wish that you'd been able to learn in a, in the educational setting?
0: Well, absolutely. First of all, right when I got out of college, I was all ready to go to work in Chicago radio, but Chicago radio wasn't ready for me. So I ended up in Hammond, Indiana, Nothing wrong with that, but it was a long way from Chicago in terms of obtaining my goal. So I had to work my way up, which uh, took a while, but uh, I was dedicated to doing that, and it uh, paid off very well. As far as what I wish I had learned in school, later in my career, I became a foreign correspondent for CNN based in London, and I covered a lot of wars. And I wish I would have had training on uh, military affairs when I uh, was in college. Maybe if I'd been an ROTC, I would have gotten some exposure to that, but uh, I wasn't. I would have liked to have known about the different military equipment, the difference between F-16 and an F-15 fighter jet, different uh, models of tanks and artillery and missiles And I was just thrown into that situation without knowing any of that. And I thought, boy, I wish I would have learned that in college. But I don't know if that they uh, even have a course that teaches that sort of thing outside of ROTC.
2: Can you tell me a little bit more about your time overseas? So you were based in London, but it sounds like you were going all over the place. What were some of the most memorable, in good or bad ways, of your experiences while you were reporting abroad?
0: The day after I signed my contract with CNN, Iraq invaded Kuwait. And uh, I got a call from the... CNN, the international desk saying, how quickly can you get over here? Well, I got over there as fast as I can. I thought I'd be off to the Middle East right away. But first, I went to Berlin for the reunification of Germany, which was a spectacular way to start a period of time as a foreign correspondent. Uh, The fall of uh, the Iron Curtain and East and West Germany becoming one country again, It was just amazing. And then after that, it was off to the Middle East. I went to Iraq. I think it was five times total. And I uh, covered the Gulf War. Going into the Gulf War, I was in Iraq before the war started, where I'd have to uh, put my clothes out at night on my bed in case the bombs started falling. Then for the war itself, I was in Saudi Arabia, uh, which was a really good assignment, Uh, During the day, I would cover news conferences by the uh, different uh, military uh, organizations, the uh, British, the Americans, and the Saudis would all have news conferences. Then at night, we'd go on the roof of our hotel and cover Scud missile attacks. The Iraqis would fire missiles into Saudi Arabia. And we would video the uh, missiles coming in. We would see them intercepted by the Patriot missiles. And then we would go to wherever the debris fell and shoot whatever damage was done. And that was uh, quite exciting. Also doing stories on uh, the Saudis and how they were getting through the war, what their way of life was like. Then after the Gulf War, the next war was uh, the breakup of Yugoslavia. Uh, covered uh, extensively the war in Croatia, the Croats against the Serbs, uh, which is a very different type of war. The Gulf War was a long-distance war. The war in Yugoslavia was a close-up war, and I felt much more in danger there. In fact, one of the photographers I worked with was uh, shot in the head—not when I was with her, but uh, shortly after that—and. Uh, Uh, A number of journalists were killed or wounded in that, Uh, covered Bosnia as well, and then uh, covered uh, the U.S. involvement as well as the U.N. involvement in Somalia, which was also a very close in dangerous type of situation with uh, gunfire around the clock, rocket propelled grenade booms while you're trying to sleep. Uh, there were riots. A couple of Italian journalists were killed by a mob the week after I left. So that was very memorable as well. Now, well overseas, I didn't just cover wars. There were a lot of diplomatic stories. I covered the Maastricht Treaty, which led to the creation eventually of the European Union. They would do feature stories. We did a whole series of features on regions of Europe that wanted to become independent. We went to Spain, several other places, covered in oil, tanker, spill up in the Shetland Islands, north of Scotland. It was a very exciting, but very demanding life.
2: And how would you say that reporting overseas compares to reporting in America? Were there any differences that surprised you?
0: The putting together of a TV story is the same. But what goes into what you get to put that story together is very different overseas. First of all, when you go into another country where they don't speak English as their first language, you need to have an interpreter with you. Your interpreter would also work as a fixer, as we called them, to arrange stories, set up interviews. Uh, We would have a driver, a local driver who knew their way around and spoke the uh, language and was able to get you where you needed to go. To feed our stories, then we needed a very large satellite dish, or we would feed the stories from a television station, for example, in Iraq and censors would listen to our stories uh, before we fed them and say, no, no, you can't say that. You cannot call Saddam Hussein a dictator. He is our president. And so we would do certain things like when you're calling him a dictator, start coughing to distract them so they don't hear that. Sometimes we'd have to give our tape, our videotape, To people who are leaving the country, say, hey, you're flying to London. Can we have somebody meet you at the airport? And you give them this tape so they can put our story on the air. Everything overseas is more difficult than just doing the same thing in America.
2: You are the recipient of a Peabody Award. Can you tell me about the story that you eventually won that award for? The story
0: that won this award was about Army Recruiting. The army was having a hard time getting people to sign up to become soldiers, and they had quotas to meet. So in order to meet their quotas, they would bend the rules. For example, if the recruit had to pass a drug test, they would fake the results of a drug test. The same thing with the diploma. If they had to have a high school diploma, they would make up or assist you in making up a fake diploma. And we confronted the uh, military uh, recruiters for the army here. And uh, we met a colonel, I believe he was, who took a look at what we had found and was absolutely flabbergasted. And he said, this is not right. This should not be happening. We are going to discipline these recruiters and things are going to change.
2: And what was it like to get that kind of national recognition for your work.
0: I didn't even know I had been entered in the contest. And to be perfectly honest, there was a young man named David McSwain, who was a high school journalist at the time. And he is the one that discovered that this uh, was going on. And he did much of the work for us. And we picked up the ball from there. So I owe a great deal to him. But it was an honor to get the award. We all went to New York to the Waldorf Astoria. I got to give a little speech, met a lot of important people. And it was one of the best days of my life.
2: Do you have any other standout or favorite projects or stories that you've worked on over the years?
0: The story that I take the most personal pride in was one where I interviewed a nurse at a refugee camp on the border of Thailand and Cambodia, and she happened to mention what the Cambodian refugees really needed were shoes. Well, I was just starting in Denver. I actually did that in between jobs from Indianapolis and Denver and the story got on the air in Denver and a shoe store owner heard her say they really need shoes and he called me up and he said I'd like to help and this led to a giant shoe drive all over Colorado and we collected 5,000 pairs of shoes for Cambodian refugees. And my station sent myself and a photographer back to the border of Thailand and Cambodia. And we delivered the shoes and did stories about this. And I take a great deal of pride in that.
2: Now, you've done so much, been so many places, written so many stories. What's next for you? Is there anything else that you are really dying to do? Or are you kind of ready to pass on the the baton to someone else? Well, I've already passed the baton
0: on to one of my sons. He is uh, 26, and he is a reporter at another TV station here in Denver. And he is doing just great. I am 72 years old, which is hard to believe. I've been at KCNC TV for 28 years. My boss just this week told me I'm welcome to stay as long as I want. But I think every day about retirement, but I don't know that I'm ready to do that yet. I still enjoy the job daily. It's always something different. I always learn something
2: new. And the last thing I have is what advice do you have for current students or students who are getting ready to enter the professional world in journalism?
0: You've got to love it. You've got to want to do it. You've got to want to succeed. There are a lot of hurdles to cross over in order to succeed. You've got to work long hours, very long hours. You've got to work weekends. You've got to get up at two o'clock in the morning to do morning newscasts. You've got to work on holidays. If you've got a family, you've got to be away from them sometimes when it's important to be there. So if you're going to do it, you've got to really be dedicated to it. A lot of people start off and they think they're going to do it, and then they drop out along the way because uh, something comes along that pays better or has better hours. A lot of people drop out along the way. I, for one, am very glad I did not. It's been a most rewarding career, a tremendous life.
2: Rick Salinger, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much. WPGU meant so much to me when I was in college and to talk to you, somebody who's working there today is just really fulfilling.